the CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... unpredictable that changes the shape of our future. Some people plan each move very carefully. Others take life as it comes. But all of us, at one time or another, inadvertently see or hear something that was not intended for our eyes or ears. The darkest of secrets have been shared unexpectedly, and so has the guilt that goes with it. Our story is a case in point. But there's more. Can you always be sure of what you see or hear? You will pay for this. I I have done nothing. You have dared to come here behind my back. If you would challenge me, sir, then let it be sword for sword like honorable men. Too late. Not too late. You have dishonored her. And for that, you must die. Oh, And now, she shall be next. Our mystery drama, What the Shepherd Saw, is from a short story by Thomas Hardy, adapted especially for the Mystery Theater by Elizabeth Pennell, and stars Russell Horton. It is sponsored in part by Contact, the 12-hour cold capsule, and Buick Motor Division. I'll be back shortly with Act One. On the Salisbury Plain in Wiltshire, England, is a mysterious ruin, a stupendous collection of upright stone slabs and lintels laid out in a ceremonial pattern. It is called Stonehenge, and archaeologists date the earliest remains as far back as 2000 B.C. There is evidence that the largest, or hellstone, came from Marlborough Downs, some 20 miles to the north, where natural outcroppings rise from the ground. And as though it were a pattern for Stonehenge, you will find here a trilithon, three oblong stones in the form of a doorway, a ruin known as the Devil's Door. There are tales of strange happenings and apparitions hovering over this eerie place. One was prompted by an occurrence in the 18th century, but uh, I'll let William Mills tell his own story. I will be haunted forever by the events of three nights which utterly changed the course of my life. For better or worse, I cannot say. True, I have become an educated man. But perhaps I should have remained an ignorant shepherd on Marlbury Down. I hated that place. And yet, there is magic in it. The night my tale begins was as cold and clear as only England can be in the last week of December. With a moon that shone bright and hard on the devil's door. Each stone had been worn, scratched, split 
attacked by 10,000 different weathers. But that night, those stones glistened silver with frost. And they were frightening. I tended the flocks under the tutelage of... Well, he had a name, but we always called him the old man. Be ye sleepy? Old man, who could be sleepy on a night like this? Ah, I'll get along home and rest for a few hours. The ewes need no more tending until daybreak. Don't leave me, old man. Oh, now that's the first time I ever heard you ask for my company. It's bitter cold, and I do not choose to walk alone on a a night like this. You do not choose to do anything no more than I. May I at least take refuge in the hut? Aye, it is warmer there, and I left a few coals in the brazier. Thank you, sir. Even though I wish you would stay with me. What's gotten into you, boy? I said you could nap a bit, but mind not longer at once than while the shade of the devil's door moves a couple of spans. For you must keep an eye upon the ewes. He left me, and I made my way to the hut, a short distance from the devil's door. This tiny hut was completely hidden by a dense growth of firs, a sturdy bastion of bushes which protected it from the elements. There was an opening on one side, like a painless window, with the firs cut through beyond it so I had a clear view of the down where the sheep were grazing, and of the ominous stone doorway which cast a shadow at all times, like the pointer on a sundial. I was restless. I couldn't sleep. It must have been around 11 o'clock when I sat bolt upright, then crept to the window opening with a premonition that something was wrong. Not a sound from the sheep, but in front of the trilithon, stark in the moon's glare, stood a man. He was slender, dressed in black. I was overwhelmed by the sight of this astonishing presence in such a lonely spot. My astonishment doubled. For a second figure glided across the plain. This time, a woman. A figure of elegance wrapped in a long fur cloak. You have come, Harriet. You summoned me? But why, Fred? Why? Oh, my dearest. My dearest, it has been so long. Let me hold you in my arms. No, no. Fred, please. I have come here, yes, but not for that. How long I have dreamed of this moment. Where? Let me go. How did you get here? You wrote that you were in the provinces, across the ocean. I have seen many lands and many faces since I last walked these downs. But always I have thought only of you. Oh, I'm flattered. But surely there's some other reason why you've called me here so strangely. Yes. I have heard that the Duke does not treat you well. Oh, he's sometimes hot-tempered. But for that, he should not be condemned. I have heard that he speaks roughly to you. No right to question the character of my husband. What? You don't even know him. Harriet, dearest, is this fair or honest? Your life with the Duke is a sad one. You know nothing about the way I spend my days. My life passes quite pleasantly. Pleasantly? The world should be spread at your feet for the beauty of your face. Don't speak like that and don't stare at me so. Yes, you are a duchess. And I am no more than a soldier of fortune. But it is not impossible that I may be able to help you. I did not call on you for help. You summoned me. 
Well, if that's all you have to say, I see now that I should not have come. It was foolish and impulsive of me. If I went a gentleman, I would take you away with me. I could do it, you know, to save you from Fred, the hell. let go of me. At this dramatic moment, the wind took their voices away. And when next the man spoke, it was in dull, flat tones. Very well. I see you are dead and lost to me. Then let it be that way and set me free. As I once loved you, Harriet, I love you now, more so than ever. But you are not the woman you once were. So be it. I will never see you again. Oh, Fred, there's no need to take such a tragic tone. Things have changed, except that you are my friend. So why shouldn't we meet? When? I don't know. I would not be here now, except that the Duke is away from home. When will he be back? The day after tomorrow, or, or the day after that. Then meet me again tomorrow night. Oh, no, Fred. I am here out of pity, because in your letter you sounded so forlorn. I believe you were the one that was in trouble. I have traveled 2,000 miles just to assure myself that you are all right. You must see me once more. I repeat, I cannot. If anyone should find out, there would be slander and no heaven knows what. Then tell me two things. That you did love me once. And that your husband is unkind to you often enough to make you think of the time when you cared for me. I confess to both. But owning to them shows a weakness in character, and I I would not want you to infer that I could ever resume our old relationship. There is so much more I must tell you. Will you come once more? Oh, you're very persuasive. One final goodbye, then. I will meet you tomorrow night or the night after. Now let me go. They parted, with the Duchess hurrying toward Shake Forest Towers, the mansion which dominated the countryside. The man watched until she was out of sight, and then set off in the opposite direction. Silence and emptiness. I was uneasy with a nameless fear. And then, I knew why. From the shadow cast by the Trilodon stepped another figure. I could not see his face. For he wore a visored cap. A stocky person booted and spurred, obviously a horseman. He marched toward the spot where the two had held their tryst. I was terrified for fear he would discover the opening. But he stopped and walked heavily back to the devil's door. Then I could see the glint of the object he held in his hand. A long and shining dagger which he pointed meaningfully in the direction the first man had taken. Sheathing the wicked blade, he strode off, and soon I could hear the receding beat of horses' hooves. I trembled at the implications of what I'd seen. Of course, this second man had been witness to the meeting of the Duchess and the man named Fred. I was leaning against the sill of the opening, mesmerized when I heard the sounds and the shouts of the old man. Bill! Bill Mills! Come here at once! What, what What's happened? Why, why have you returned so soon? It, it's too early for you to be back. The sir. sheep, lad, the sheep. I tossed and turned on my bed, but you were the one who was sleeping. But, but I have not shut an eye. Ah, a shepherd you call yourself. Look at the flock, 
something has disturbed them. I give you my word. I have been watching. Yonder lamb has strayed from its mother. Go after him, Bill. And the old you has twins. Light your lantern and bring it to me. The moon is getting low. I scrambled, rescuing lambs which seemed to be straying in all directions. Surely they had not been like that before. Had I been too preoccupied to notice their distress? Or had the sheep, too, lain still in the presence of unexpected visitors? This is not like you, Bill. First, you have not done your duty. And now you have lied to me. I do not lie, old man. Don't make it worse. I, I went to the flock, and then I remained at the window all the rest of the time. And you saw nothing. I... I... I saw no straying sheep. Uh-huh. The Duke's men will be after us for this. After us for what? For not doing our duty. Sir, not a sheep has been lost. No thanks to you. I promise not to let it happen again. You can keep that promise tomorrow night. But I wondered if I could. Other promises had been made. And who knew what I might be witness to on the following night. Or the one... what may next take place in the shadow of the devil's door. Windswept Marlboro Downs, where only shepherds roam at night, has now become the stage for a drama enacted by three people whom we must learn more about. We'll be there for further developments when I return shortly with Act Two. night, like the previous one, was cold and brilliantly clear, and the massive devil's door glistened with silver frost. Bill Mills had been tending his sheep, but shortly before 11 o'clock, he hastened to the hut and took up his post of the night before at the open window. And he did not have long to wait, for almost at once came not the couple whose words he had overheard, but a rider on a galloping horse. Beyond the devil's door was a gully and a stand of furze bushes much like the one where I was hidden. Now I knew why I had not seen the horse last night. The horse and rider were blotted out completely before the man emerged alone from behind the dense bushes. And as this short, heavy-set figure moved into the light of the full moon, I gasped at my earlier stupidity, of course. It was none other than the Duke himself. The man on whom my livelihood depended, the ruler absolute of our community. I'd only seen him before at great distances. And now, he was walking directly toward my hideout. He would find me. And heaven knows what would be my fate. This time, he would discover the way that led to the door. I quickly burrowed under a pile of straw in the corner tried to lie as still as the dead. I felt like an insect about to be stepped on by a giant's foot. Hello? Oh, anybody in there? Yes, this should suit my purposes nicely. When they come, I'll be ready. I was scarce breathing, 
heavy breath of the Duke and his mutterings assured me that he was too busy to pay attention to any stirrings from my corner. A nightly meeting. I must surprise her before she comes. Stealthily, the Duke left the hut and I crept to the window opening. The slender young man was there, pacing back and forth in the moonlight. He had no chance to run or defend himself as the enraged Duke, arms outstretched like a vulture's wings, descended upon him, made a grab for his throat, and caught him by the collar. Let me go. If you seek my purse, I am but a poor soldier and have no gold. You have taken something more precious than gold. Who are you? And what do you want? No man or woman deceives me. I seek revenge. I... I have done nothing to you. You have dared to come here behind my back. What? Did she... Did she send you to trap me? She shall pay for this as well as you. If you would challenge me, then let it be sword for sword like honorable men. You have dishonored her, and for that you shall die the death you deserve. The young man put up a valiant struggle as they skirmished into the furze bushes out of my range of view. I could hear the awful sound of battle. And finally, the thud of a falling body as the Duke cried triumphantly, She shall be next. Silence for several seconds. But a bloody dagger was tossed out onto the grass. And then, the Duke appeared, dragging the inert body straight through the devil's door and down into the gully beyond. I knew that the sheep needed tending, but I dared not move. Shortly, the Duke came back to reclaim his weapon. He wiped the blade until the steel glittered wickedly. And should he return to the hut, I knew that dagger would be at my throat. But he paced back and forth by the Trilithon, stopping often to glance in the direction of Sheikh Forest Towers. After what seemed like hours, but could have been no more than 30 minutes, the Duke returned to the hollow, and some time later came back, leading his horse, which he mounted slowly and rode away. I was in a panic. My promise to the old man was forgotten. No one was going to leave me alone with a dead body. Whatever the consequences, I had to get away. Which way to run? Impending disaster made me follow the Duke. And soon I'd taken a shortcut, which brought me up to the very gates of his estate. I crouched in the bushes and stared in fascination. For there, at the portal, stood the Duchess in her long fur cape. The Duke's horse was approaching. Ah, my dear, you have come. And what are you doing here at the gates? I came to welcome you. I wasn't expected till tomorrow. I was at the turret window. And I saw your horse far out on the down. Why are you up so late if you thought I would not return until tomorrow? I couldn't sleep because something very strange has happened. <laughs> There's no question that something has happened. Let us go inside. I have a score to settle with you. No, no, please. You must listen to me. And, and it's such a perfect night. A perfect night for meeting? Of course, and here you are. My dear husband, home just in time to help me solve a troublesome problem. Very well. A few minutes more or less won't matter now. But it's really serious. My cousin, Fred Ogborn, Captain Ogborn as he is now, 
was a great admirer of mine when he was a boy. My dear, you have far too many admirers. We were children who played together. I was six years older. He was absurdly fond of me. I had not seen him for many years, and I'd quite forgotten about those old times. Then why must you bring it up tonight, all night? Why? Because of what has happened. The day before yesterday, I received a mysterious note. It came from Fred. He begged me to meet him at once. And what he had to say in his note frightened me out of my wits. He threatened you? No. No, no. He recalled our early friendship. And then he wrote something like this. If my life and future are of any concern to you at all, I beg you that you will grant me my request. What did the man want? He requested that I meet him at 11 last night by the Druid Stones and Marbury Downs. He dared ask you to go there alone? But the tone of his letter was so distraught, I thought I... Only a fool would answer such a request. And besides, I don't believe what you're telling me. They walked almost beyond the range of my hearing. And I was hanging so closely on every word that I, I must have become careless. For the Duke broke off suddenly and looked in my direction. What was that? But it's only Hero. Oh, yes, he's rubbing down. I'll call the stable boy and we'll go into the house. Well, wait, no, just not yet. I, I must explain to you what I've done. I know perfectly well what you have done. You've deceived me. My Lord, I have never deceived you. You went to this man at night and alone. But I had to. You were not here. You would have shown me this letter if I had been here? Well, of course, my dearest. And you've not heard the rest of it. Well, go on. He said that his entire happiness depended upon seeing me again. And you were all too willing to believe him. Well, of course I believed him. This is too much. The hour is late and I'm weary. Yes, let me talk a moment more. I'm still too keyed up to sleep. Even though I feel safe now with you beside me. Your safety is something you should have thought of long before. You're quite right. I think it took courage for me to go alone to meet my cousin, don't you? <laughs> Courage is scarcely the word I would use. He was so changed. A full-grown man in an office. And no doubt attractive. And he behaved so badly. What he wanted of me, I don't know even now. You don't know? Don't be angry, my lord. I went there to help him. And so you fell into his arms. Oh, how can you imagine such a thing? His manner was disgraceful. I held out my hand. He grabbed me around the waist. I was at his mercy. I protested until he calmed down. And then he persuaded you. Well, he to... was incoherent. His words were so strange that I knew I should never have come, and, and and I attempted to run away. Why didn't you? Well, I tried. He grabbed me again. I pleaded with him to let me go. And he said he would do so if only I would give him a promise. Oh, what sort of promise? That I would meet him again, either tonight or, or tomorrow night. So that's where you were going when you said you would come to meet me. Oh, no, my lord. I had no intention of meeting him tonight. How can I be sure of that? He asked me to be there at 11 o'clock. Oh, what and the I... devil are those sheep doing all over the hillside after midnight? They act as they're frightened. And they're running everywhere. Where's the shepherd? Shepherd! Old man! Where are you? Look, out there. Someone's rounding them up. But it's not the old man. Boy! Your grace? Come here! Come here! Get these sheep away. I... I... I'm, I'm sorry, Your Grace. I've never seen these animals up here before. Why are they running all over my hillside? Well, I, I'm sorry, Your Lordship. I must have fallen asleep. Where do you come from? Um, 
Over yonder? In which direction? Oh, I, I live over there, uh, beyond the bonfire. It, it must have been the flames that awakened me. Then these are not the sheep of the old man. Oh, it's the very same, my lady. But he lives down below, near the devil's door. Tell me, Shepherd. Do your sheep graze by the druid stone? Well, only when the grass is high. Would you say the grass is high tonight? Oh, uh, n- no, my lord. Oh, the night before? Oh, no, no, not then either, my lord. It, it, uh, if I don't round up my strange flock, the old man will never forgive me. All right, get these creatures away from here. And I warn you, boy, if you and your old man do not pay more attention to your duties, you'll hear from me. Oh, one moment more. I'd like to question the boy. You are coming with me, and you are coming now. Now, that shepherd boy is not the only one who will pay for the consequences of this evening. The boy was frightened. I hope to question him. If he saw me running across the down, then you surely would believe me. I believe what I know to be true. Then you will help me. There's just one way in which you can be helped, and I plan to take that course. Well, I knew you'd see it my way. You'll go with me, won't you? Go with you where? Well, since I failed to meet my cousin tonight, he'll be expecting me tomorrow. And we'll give him a surprise. We? Well, of course, my dear. You will go with me to the devil's door. How can you suggest such a thing? I told you, Captain Osborne behaved disgracefully, and I want him to be taught a lesson. He won't be there. Oh, of course he will. (laughs) I have no doubt he's waiting still tonight. And he'll be there tomorrow, just as faithfully. I'm sure my cousin is in some kind of trouble, and you will help me reason with him. Why should I have anything to do with him? Because you're my husband. And aiding my kinsman would be no more than human kindness. That's a most extraordinary request. Then grant it to me, out of compassion. I will go with you for only one reason. To prove to you that your cousin is not the faithful admirer you take him to be. I expected the old man to unloose his rage when he found me with the flock in total disarray. But he was grimly calm and unquestioning. I wanted to run far away, and I would have if there had been anywhere to go. I must plan my escape somehow, for I could not tolerate spending the lonely nights of the future so close to a moldering corpse, nor could I tell anyone what I'd seen. Young Shepherd, of course, knows only part of the story. He has already been witness to a clandestine meeting and a crime. He has also heard the Duke vow that his wife will be next. Innocence and guilt do not concern the Shepherd. He has been merely the unwitting spectator to a drama. But now, by implication, he fears for his own life. Events of the next night will unfold when I return shortly with Act Is the Duchess as innocent as she would have her husband believe? And is the Duke a viciously cruel man or only a jealous husband? We have many unanswered questions and another surprise in store for William Mills. The next night, when a lamb strayed to the very shadow of the Trilithon, I hastily retrieved him. 
glancing in fear toward the hollow beyond. I more than half expected a ghost to rise from the ground, a grisly apparition. With a lamb in my arms, I was heading for the hut when two figures came into view across the down. There was only one place to hide in that, that terrible depression in the ground where the body was hidden. Clutching the small, woolly animal for comfort, I remained on the ground with my eyes closed. They were close enough for me to hear their voices, the Duke and the Duchess. My only thought was of the next bloody deed. If this was to become the lady's burial ground, what would become of me? I do not see him. I told you this is a fruitless mission. Perhaps he's been delayed. The hour is only just past 11. More likely he had no intention of coming. Perhaps he saw us both, and he wouldn't understand why you were with me. Well, come away. I tell you, he's not here. Wait, there is something over there. I I saw the bushes. I warn you, we must get away from here. I know someone is down there. Fred? Fred? Don't be afraid. The Duke and I have come to help you. No, stand back. What are you doing? Don't harm him. Fred, come out of the shadows. It's only one of the sheep. No. Fred is down there. Look. Who is there? Come out. Oh, uh, please, Your, your Grace. I, I was after a stray sheep. Oh, it's you, boy. Yes, sir. How long have you been there? Well, only just now, my lord. Well, it's the same boy of last night. He's a lying scoundrel. Shepherd boy. Have you seen a man here this evening, waiting in the shadow of the devil's door? Oh, uh, no, my lady. Uh, no one but me and the sheep. A tall man. No, I, I swear to you, my lady. There's been no one here this evening. You see, Harriet, you'll get nothing from him. Well, I implore you, then. Let him go. But ask him to keep watch. And then when Fred does come, the boy can give him a message bidding him to come to the tower. I dared not move. And for once, I prayed that the old shepherd would come before morning. I was ready now to tell him everything. I could no longer live with the thoughts that tormented me. A short while later, to my horror, it was not the old man who came across the plain, but the duke, returning without her ladyship. I know full well you're keeping something to yourself. Now tell me the truth and no harm will come to you. Uh, I... I... Lumbering boy. Uh... That's hot over there. It's a good place to hide, isn't it? It gives shelter from the wind on cold nights. And you can see things from there, can't you? What's your name? Uh, William Mills, Your Honor, but I'm nobody. Have you seen anything strange these nights you've been watching? Uh, Please. Please, Please, Your Lordship, don't hurt me. I I will go far away from here. Uh, Perhaps this steel uh, dagger will refresh your memory. Did you see anyone or anything that happened here last night? My Lord Duke, have mercy. I have never seen you walking here, or riding here, or lying in wait for a man, or or dragging a heavy load, or... Well, it is well to know that you have never seen these things. Never, my lord. Never. So which do you choose? A repetition of those same things now? Or to keep a secret all your life? Oh, I promise to keep the secret, my lord. And what assurance do I have that you can be trusted? I beg your grace. Try me. Very well. Something about you is above the ordinary youth. Perhaps I can make your life easier. Oh, anything. I'll, I'll do anything you say, my lord. And you must change this smock for a real cloth jacket. And those thick boots for polished shoes. Oh, gladly. And you shall be taught what you have never yet heard of. And be put to school. And made a man of. 
I shall obey your every order. Very well. Come here to the druid's tones. And kneel down. Anything you bid me to do, Your Grace? This was once a holy place. An oath sworn here is doubly an oath. I will swear it, my lord. And say this after me. May all the hosts above, angels and archangels, punish me. May I be tormented wherever I am in living and dying and for always. If I ever speak of what I have seen done on this Mulberry Down. Amen and amen. Then, kiss the stone. I repeated the words and kissed the stone. And that night, I slept in Shake Forest Towers. And the next day, I was sent away to begin my studies in a remote village. For 22 years, I kept my vow. I was a steward now for the Duke. And although I lived alone in a house apart from the towers, one evening, I received a mysterious summons. My destination was a well-kept cottage where I was greeted deferentially and led to a back room. The bed held an emaciated man whose ancient, weather-beaten face looked vaguely familiar. It is you and you alone I would speak to, Bill Mills. <gasps> Very few people know my name. The time has come for me to set my mind at rest. You have made a mistake, old man. I, I made a mistake many years ago when they searched so many months for that captain fellow. And all the time, I knew. What did you know? I knew exactly where he was. And so did you. Old man, you are raving. I may. My mind is clear and my memory is sharp. That night so long ago, I could not sleep. No more than you. I saw what happened. By the trilophon? I. And when the bloody deed was over, I looked into the badger hole just to be sure. And the body was there for all these years without a stone to mark the grave. Why did you not come forward? I am but a poor peasant like you. And I could not betray the Lord Duke, my master. Then why do you speak now, so many years later? Because I would free you from spending the rest of your life bearing the burden of this guilty knowledge. Old man... You make it even more difficult. I think not. My voice grows faint. Come closer to the bed. And I will tell you what I have done. After what the old shepherd told me, I could not sleep. My past had opened wide. The long years spent so furtively in spite of creature comforts. Next day... I dared express myself man to man to the Duke. Never before had I gone so boldly into the library without knocking. My patron had long since lost his heaviness of build. Indeed, he was almost a skeleton. His white hair was thin and his hands were nearly transparent. Oh, it's you, Mills. Now sit down, sit down. You look concerned. Old times have come to life. Old times because. 
To which old times do you refer? That Christmas week 22 years ago when the late Duchess's cousin Frederick implored her to meet him on Marlbury Downs. It was just such a night as this. And I saw that meeting, as you know. She met him once. But not the second time. Mills, shall I recall some words to you? The words of an oath taken? In spite of my sealed lips. The truth will be known. I tell you, I wish to hear no more. No fear of treachery from me. I am a man to whom you have been kind. But tonight, I learned all our caution was to no avail. I did what I had to do to protect my duchess. Do you think for a moment that she ever guessed? She never did, I'm sure, to the day of her death. Then nothing else matters. Oh, but something does. You have not heard me out. What? What? What is that bell tolling for? Who's dead in the village? That's what I came to tell you. The oldest man, the old shepherd. Dead at last. Huh? How old was he? Ninety-four. And I am only seventy. I have four and twenty more years. My lord, I learned this evening that the old man shared our secret. I don't believe it. Not unless you broke your oath. He was there, on the down, all the time. But I did not know he was there, nor did you. Nor did anyone else, and now the man is dead. Why do you torture me with memories? Two hours ago, the vicar went to see the old man. And to him he confessed all, just before he died. I will see the vicar at daybreak tomorrow. To what avail? To stop his tongue. Till I am dead. Like the shepherd. <laughs> was 22 years to the night, and for the first time in all those years, I walked over the down to the devil's doorway. As always at that season of the year, the full moon blazed nearly white, and the ancient stones glittered with jewel-like frost. Irresistibly, I was drawn to those massive slabs, the mysterious entry to a long-gone pagan temple. figure crossing the plain below. It was the Duke, looking like a sleepwalker, clad only in light dressing gown and slippers. I pulled myself into the deepest shadow, and as he drew near, I knew that he was not asleep. His eyes glittered, and he went purposely into the gully behind the stones. After creeping to the edge, I could remain silent no longer, for the Duke was crouched inhumanly, digging in the ground. Stop it, my lord. My lord, this is madness. Then help me, Mills, help me. We must destroy the evidence. I doubt if much evidence is left, but whatever is there cannot be dug with their hands. Oh, get me a, a shovel, then, and hurry. Oh, my oath does not hold me to this. My orders will be obeyed. Not to the point of desecrating a grave. Then I have a better plan. Replace this earth and be at my gates in two hours, prepared for a journey. <laughs> journey, my lord. I'm sick to death of your asking questions. Do as I say. I knew my destiny was forever linked with the Duke's, and I must do his bidding. It was near daybreak when I approached the massive portals of Shake Forest Towers. But no horses were waiting. The gate was locked. And then a servant carrying a lantern hurried down the pathway from the house. 
Oh, Master Mavis, I'm, I'm glad you've come. Where are the horses? What horses? Well, his lordship said they would be ready for our journey. Uh, then you don't know of the terrible tragedy. Oh, I've come to meet the Duke. But his grace is dead. How can that be? They come into the house, Master Mills. The vicar will kill you. I want to know at once. Well, Sometime during the night his lordship left his room. He went out in the cold without a word to any of us. Go on. And wandered around who knows where. Enough to catch his death of cold. Oh, oh, come, sir, into the house. It's a bitter night. Where is the duke? On his bed where they've placed the body. Talk sense, man. What has happened? Well, his grace returned some two hours since and climbed into the second story. Lost his balance. And fell downstairs. We tried in vain to revive him, but he never breathed again. So William Mills was released from his oath and could face the future with a clear conscience. But that's not quite the way it works. Those 22 years had taken their toll. And guilt by implication never really set him free. He lived to only half the age of 94. As we said at the beginning, an innocent witness may become a participant simply because he is there at a certain time and place to see and hear things never meant for his eyes or ears. Marlborough Downs is still inhabited by shepherds. But today's sheep herders steer clear of the trellisan. For it is said, even today, that during the nights of Christmas week, flitting shapes are seen in the open space around the trellisan, together with the gleam of a weapon and the shadow of a man dragging a burden into the hollow. Our cast included Russell Horton, Marion Selvius, Ian Martin, and William Redfield. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now, a preview of our next tale. Can you give us your position? Well, I, I can try, but with this maze of instruments, I'm not familiar with them. Where are your pilots? Both in a coma. Botulism poisoning. Any chance they'll be out of it within the next hour and a half? Hard to tell. I'd say kind of doubtful. They both were hit so bad it's a toss-up whether they can hold out against respiratory paralysis. And there's no other qualified commercial pilot aboard? That's right. The only guy ever flew anything is me. And then it was just little old one-lung Cherokee prop you flew by the seat of your pants. Well, if you can fly a Cherokee, you can fly a DC-9. You're going to have to teach me, brother. And I sure hope you can in the next hour and a half. Because if you don't tell me how to bring her down, I guess we're just going to head out over the Pacific and drop into the sea. Radio Mystery Theater was sponsored in part by Anheuser-Busch Incorporated, Brewers of Budweiser. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams. tomorrow night for the CBS Radio Mystery Theater on KVOR, Colorado Springs.
one minute, 9 o'clock, CBS News, followed by local and regional news, weather and sports, and more music.